0: Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. We are back with another episode with another dope guest. And this dude, I've known for, dang, I think upwards to like seven, maybe going at eight years now. It, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty wild because we've had like connection for, dang, it, through multiple different spaces, multiple different people. Uh, man, I, I'm going to just let him like speak for himself and just like talk about our connection for a bit. What's up, Anthony? Anthony's on the call right now ready for this podcast episode what's up man
1: hey alfredo thank you uh thank you for uh, having me i'm very honored to be here and uh thanks for those kind remarks so
0: appreciate it dude it took me a hot minute just because i'm just like wait a minute we've had connection or we've had connections with multiple different people in multiple different areas and i'm like it took me a second to marinate in all of it because i didn't realize how much it was until right now yeah
1: it has been a while.
0: When was it? Was it? Was it back in 2014? Like officially back in 2014? I think it was.
1: I really do think it was 2014. Um, you know, 2014 was a big year, obviously, and that um, <laughs> was definitely an introduction for for me and uh, for a lot of us. So,
0: yeah. Do Do you remember how exactly we got connected and everything? Was it through Lizelle? Uh, you know,
1: I don't know. I just remember talking to you at different points in the NAFA conference and, uh, you know, like uh, with, with PIO and volunteering and all that stuff. So I don't remember the exact date or the time who introduced us, but it was just just a general time frame.
0: Ah, okay. Well, dude, so, it, it definitely has been a while though. Like there, there is so much that has gone on and you've been such a big part of a lot of the things that have been going on with, like San Diego history since I've been doing stuff. So, dude, you are a wealth of knowledge, my dude. Like you, you've done quite a bit since I've known you. So, ha- having your like words of wisdom on here is is very big.
1: Thank you. Appreciate the uh, the kind remarks. Of so, thanks.
0: I mean, I guess with that being said, like si- since I I did bring that up in terms of just like what you've been able to do, could you introduce like what you've done just in a like a quick little recap of like, okay, this is who Anthony is. This is what he's done over the past few years.
1: Wow. Um. All right. Yeah. I feel as if a lot of these things happened a lifetime ago. Um. But at the same time, it kind of feels like yesterday. So, I guess in a kind of like a brief snapshot. Um. You know, I've. Uh, I've worked in a lot of different nonprofit organizations, and uh, I've worked. At a nonprofit that focused on doing anti human trafficking work for a couple years. I did a work, I did a term with AmeriCorps working with youth development. Um, I helped start UniPro San Diego. um, And for a while there, I was working as a civic engagement organizer at Alliance San Diego. So, um, and again, like these are all different things. but a lot of them are interconnected and it took a lot of years and a lot of growth to kind of get to these points. But uh, yeah, it's just one of these experiences and these journeys that uh, I was very glad to happen and be a part of.
0: Dude, I I appreciate that you use the word um, interconnected or just that whole aspect of interconnectedness, because there's a lot of things that have interconnected us with the community and just how, uh, we've been doing things over the past seven, eight years, and everything like it, it's pretty wild, dude. Because like you, we've talked about this before, and um, with, with our history with the college base and everything, we were both FCC rep at one point for the the schools that we're part of. So for the people that don't know, FCC is uh, the uh, Filipino Collegiate Collaborative between uh, CSU San Marcos, SDSU's AB Samahan, uh, UCSD's KP. Um, US, USD's Fuso and then Pakaka Isa's uh, oh wait yeah Southwestern Pakaka Issa. so at, at one point I was FCC rep and Anthony was FCC rep when when was this again this was like a, a little while before um, I was in there
1: actually you no know I think okay so now you mentioned that I think I was FCC rep like 2010-2011 so I don't know if I was a part of that at around your time but I do remember still being involved. Um, it was like around 2013, I guess.
0: Mm, okay, so it it was around like because I started college around 2012, and then 2014 was when I officially became Southwestern's FCC rep.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, and, I, I don't I, I don't know. It's kind of a hazy memory. My bad, but uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't remember that much right anymore.
0: It's all good, dude. It has, it has been a while though, but yes. th- the reason why I bring that up is because uh, for me personally, FCC is actually what brought me together with the stuff that you were doing at that time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you said, dude, uh, we, I think you mentioned this a while ago, but 2014 was probably one of the biggest years that we've had collectively as a community. And I feel like that's the best place to, to really start with it all.
1: Yeah. Um. Definitely. And uh, I mean, for me, it's kind of weird, because I feel like as if 2014, getting to that point, what itself was like a, like a series of serendipitous moments and accidents, you know, that kind of help build into where you are, like where you come from to get to where you are then. And so um, for me, I feel like as if, I feel like I had a lot of different and humbling experiences that kind of led me towards getting to that point. Um, and for me, like, I I know it seems like I've kind of started like as a, as an organizer or, or just being involved with all these different things, but, uh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of weird because in reality, I kind of started as like a shy little kid, um, coming from a small town, uh, but yeah, I mean, so just a little bit of background on myself. Um, I was born in San Diego, but raised in Marietta, and it was in the early '90s that my parents kind of moved over there to to like the huge housing boom. And so, you know, growing up in Marietta, like again, like I, I didn't grow up in San Diego. I didn't see like a lot of these organize, organizers or organizations or you know a lot of the the, the Filipino community itself and. For me, I growing up in Maryland, I always kind of felt like an outsider, like I never truly belonged. Um and it's kind of weird because I always felt like I was I was the always the, the only person of color wherever I went. And and to clarify, you know, it's not like there were any other, you know, people of color. There was like no Filipinos or black or brown people. It's just that like you know, like a lot of the time, a lot of these people went to the opposite school of me. So, like, there's always running joke that when they opened up a new high school, like, in 2006, that Vista Marietta took all the Asians while Marietta Valley was left with all the white people. And I was kind of stuck with attending Marietta Valley. Um, so it was just kind of the norm for me to grow up being, like, the um, like the token Asian guy, you know? And um, a lot of these experiences really kind of fomented, like, the person who I am today. Um, so, you know, growing up in Marietta, I was kind of like, it was like the norm for me to be called, like, a lot of racial terms. Um, you know, at the time, I was I was used to being called things like chink, um, gook, yellow. Um, I was called Bruce Lee. Or, you know, even just being called Asian, because, you know, that's why a lot of these kids... That's all they knew from their parents or in the media. So, like in eighth grade, for example, at the time I was kind of growing out my hair, so a lot of my friends that I hung out with started calling me Jackie, Jackie Chan. And um, you know, I remember after school, I used to walk across the street uh, to train at this small little taekwondo dojo. And because I used to keep my my belt in my backpack, I remember there was like a kid who went through my backpack and actually stole my belt and kind of wrapped it around his head. And he kind of openly ran around saying he was like the Karate Kid and openly mocking me. And what I really also remember from that time period was like, like there's this game that was called Body Shots. And it was like this the situation where these kids would go into the the bathroom and like take 30 second rounds of uh, fighting, you know, straight fighting each other. And because I was always the short Asian kid and, you know, every Asian kid does karate or does that. I was naturally an easy target and to clarify, you know, it wasn't like this was happening every day, but it just happened enough that it had left a lasting impact in my memory. And, you know, it even got to the point where sometimes when I would bring food from home, like like punce it, I'd rather throw that food away in the trash and go hungry than be seen and be made fun of because of my her- Asian heritage. And you know, like that for me was like kind of like my experience growing up was kind of being afraid of who I am. You know, being afraid of my my identity, being ashamed of my Filipino American. Uh, background and you know it, it's it's for me it's one of those things where I look at and I kind of realize you know that's that's where I really began to internalize a lot of self-hatred a lot of self-esteem issues you know because I was just like this little kid who saw a dark world full of bullies so um yeah that was kind of like my formative years growing up and just kind of not having that sense of community or that sense of identity. And, you know, going through high school, I just never liked, uh, you know, I was always reminded of those experiences of being bullied. So for me going through high school, I kind of like fomented that image of, you know, this is, I I don't want to see this happening. You know, there's, there's a lot of bullies out there in the world who are, you know, persecuting people because of their skin color, their, their ethnic background, their religion, their identity. So obviously for me like I felt like as if I wanted to find something to belong to to help prevent that from happening to other people and to kind of stop persecution and stop those who would do injustice to others um so it's kind of funny because uh it wasn't until college that I was actually fully exposed to the whole San Diego Filipino community and you know, kind of learned to embrace my and heritage. Um, you know, originally I was actually going to enlist in the Marine Corps after high school, but my mom kind of influenced me to go to college and get a college degree first so I can have a stable foundation and then, you know, join the military as an officer or, or do whatever I chose. So, you know, I applied to whatever colleges would take me. And naturally, you know, Cal State San Marcos was the school that accepted me and, it was kind of like there that I really kind of started breaking out of my shell. Um, like, yeah, I started, I, I remember like, I, I, that's when I started like joining a lot of different clubs, like common Line Alliance. Um, and then I ended up rushing Alpha Ciro, um, which is the fraternity that, uh, I was part of. And for me, that was a kind of like my experience to the greater community. And, um, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't like I wasn't exposed to, you know, my Filipino background or heritage or identity. Like there was times I would be involved, like joining my mom's um, organizations. You know, she would do her, her her own organizing. So I would be, I would like participate then, I guess. But for me, college was like kind of like my chance to kind of grow and kind of expose myself to a lot of these a lot of these different things, these aspects are part of organizing and the whole community aspect. So um it's kind of funny because um one of the first things that happened when I was uh rushing off of Syro was uh um actually going to Philanfest. And one of the first events we did was um actually helping volunteer. And so for those who don't know what Philanfest is, uh it's called the Filipino-American Arts and Culture Festival. Uh, it's a festival usually held once a year in uh, in uh, Paradise Hills. And, you know, it's, it's a place to really celebrate our Filipino-American identity, you know, celebrate our culture, and just really, in general, just bring the community together. So for me, like, being a part of that with my fraternity and attending that I was like, whoa, I hadn't, and I'm not kidding you, this sounds kind of funny, but I've never seen that many Asians in my life at that point, Um, because you know what I mean, like, it's the entire street filled with a lot of vendors, a lot of people, a lot of artists, so it's kind of one of those experiences where it's, like, it's eye-opening and shocking, they're like, wow, there's a lot of people who look like me, Um, so... Yeah, it was kind of one of those instances where I was like, hmm, maybe I can be a part of this. And so uh, you know, being a part of my fraternity and my Filipino club, uh Kamalayan Alliance helped me kind of just learn it was kind of like the building blocks uh, the way I see it, see it. And um it's actually kind of funny because in my sophomore year at K at uh San Marcos, I became an officer for KA, Common Line Alliance. And it was actually when I was uh, the FCC rep for San Marcos. And I went to the UCS, I went to a meeting at UCSD. And is actually where I first met Julius, uh, Julius Alejandro. And <laughs> it was actually kind of funny because um, that's my first kind of exposure to Julius was him taking me to a bar and taking a shot before a meeting. so yeah it was kind of an interesting experience and just like really kind of getting the feel for what college life would be like i guess
0: i think i remember this story he we yeah. actually like he mentioned this when uh, we brought noel down to, to common theory or i think it was one of the the places in convoy i just remembered th- this was like the story that he couldn't tell me until like way later i'm like okay this i'm, I'm seeing where this is in your timeline now really I, I remember it like happening during like he talked about it or he slipped it in during that night, but yeah, he mentioned specifically because you said UCSD, right?
1: Yeah, it was UCSD. Cause they had an open, they had a bar on campus and, uh, you know, not many colleges do have bars on campus. So I was like, Oh, this is cool. So right before the meeting, you know, he took a bunch of us and was like, Hey, you from San Marcos? Hey, you from SDSU? Hey, let's go to the bar. I was like, huh? And he bought us all shots. And uh, you know, I mean, he, Obviously, he kind of exposed. He that's where I kind of got a larger exposure to like the, you know, in general, like the Filipino clubs on campus and San Diego and the rest of the California. Because you know we were talking about that type of stuff, but you know a lot of it started with Julius. <laughs> so mm. funny story.
0: No, honestly, that that's actually a very big thing, just because uh, with, with Julius specifically, and I'm hoping to have him on here very and- soon. Uh, he's had a big influence on how he's brought a lot of different people um, in our own circles into the community. Like he has this way of essentially like selling you or marketing like a certain aspect of it. Like, Hey, this is an organization you could join, or this is uh, what this organization does. So I, I have to give it up to him. Like he's been a big influence on everything that I've done and a big influence on what everyone's done. But Kind of, kind of backtracking a little bit to some of your history, your history and everything from Murrieta. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've touched upon it like a few different times, but I don't think you've ever really gone in, in depth with like the storytelling part of it. But so I do appreciate you bringing that kind of stuff up. And ah oh, man, it, it's pretty wild because you, you mentioned how some of the schools were like I wouldn't say divided, but the demographic was very different. And you specifically mentioned Vista Murrieta, and I had a lot mm-hmm. of friends that. Uh, went to that high school as well as some of the schools in Menifee, and there was a significantly uh, larger, like Filipino, like Asian population Absolutely. that was in those areas. But then your your old high school, which di- didn't seem like it had so many people of color, so I-, I can imagine like how how tough that must have been and everything. But it- it's dope that you took that energy um, into something else. And now that you actually say that, I'm starting to get a better grasp of um, why you do that work that you're doing right now. Like it, it gives a lot more of a like background to it. And I see that sort of like as your foundation and everything and that mm-hmm. kind of moving forward into your college life, a lot of the stuff that uh, was what you did with like um, Ace Iro, shout out to Wes, if he's listening to this and i <laughs> Alliance. Yeah. Uh, kind of like, I don't know, kind of touch up on that foundation that you had from, like your high school experience and everything. So I'm seeing a lot of the connections and how like the dominoes kind of like fell and how they connected to like each, uh, every single piece that's happened in your life so far. So I appreciate exactly. you for bringing that up.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, like the way I see of it now, it's like, I mean, back then, obviously it was one of those instances where it's like, you know, it's a dark period in your life. But as you get older with wisdom and, you know, kind of experience, you realize that's actually, something that helps build a stronger foundation for the future. Um and I feel like there's a great quote um and it's not a quote but there's a good scene in the show Game of Thrones. Um I believe like in the first episode where Tyrion is um excuse me uh, Tyrion's talking to Jon Snow and you know Jon Snow is kind of ashamed of being like the the bastard son of of Ned Stark but then you know, Tyrion comes in and for those who haven't seen the show, he's, he's, he's a dwarf. And so he, he comes up there and he just says, you know, like never forget who you are because the the rest of the world won't forget. Um, Use it as a, as a place of strength instead of weakness and wear it like a badge of honor. And, you know, for me, it really resonates with me because you know, I, I can't change who I am. I can't change my, my, who, who I am deep, deep in the core. All I can do is just change how I view the world, um, how I can make the world a better place. Um, so it's just one of those things where, you know, my, my identity, my, my struggles, my challenges is something that I try to at least live up to, you know, just live it as a, it's kind of like a badge of armor or suit of armor that will help me get through a lot of the the struggles I will continue to face.
0: Oh man, I'm happy you described it as that and shout out to, well, Peter Dinklage probably does not listen to us, but he's probably like <laughs> one of the, I don't know. He's probably like one of the top five, if not top three best characters in game of Thrones, but okay, having uh-huh. honestly, like that, that's the like his stuff or at least the lines that Peter Dinklage had as Tyrion, a lot of his stuff does stick because he has a lot of great one-liners that kind of like make you reflect on like who you are as a person. And that connection with Jon Snow is really, really big. I mean, we, we I'm pretty sure we all know what happened with season eight, but that's like that's that's a that's whole other conversation. But, <laughs> that's another story. But OK, so I, I really appreciate that, too, because I do like you're, you're not just saying that. Like I've seen you actually put this in into action with the things that you've done. In the past, like what you're doing now and everything, so like you, you you're not just like all talk. You're like actually walking that walk as you're saying all this stuff. So I appreciate that a lot.
1: Thanks, I appreciate it. And and just to clarify, you know, like there's a lot of other people who have. I mean, we all have our own stories, um, experiences, and you know, like there are other people who have like had a lot more harder, you know, obstacles to face and have persevered. So I'm. For me, I'm just very, very happy and glad, you know, just to just to be kind of share, I guess, my story because there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of other experiences and a lot of other people out there, and so uh, for me, it's like, I guess, like my story is not that much different than other some other people have had, but you know, it's just one of those things where I try to reflect and try to grow and try to become
0: better from. And at the end of the day, it is your story, and it is valid to what your experience is and again like you, you mentioned it everyone has like their own way of connecting to the world and just what they've gone through how they contribute and everything but like at, at this point this is your story and like you're able to hear it out so I'm, I'm glad that you're in this space to to talk about it right now
1: thanks appreciate it um but yeah um to see going back to let's see what we're talking about we're talking about FCC, think, right yeah I think right. it was
0: like philomhus aSIRO yeah. and then... okay yeah so it was around that kind of uh, time period
1: yeah so um at that time period like in 2013 ish um, I was kind of going through a little bit of a dark phase in my life so kind of like backtracking a little bit um my freshman year in 2009 um, at the time I was rushing for aRO. And unfortunately, um, you know, me and my pledge bro uh, and another pledge bro, um, we were driving down to go to uh, Friendship Games. And, um, you know, for those who don't know Friendship Games, it's a huge, huge event for the Filipino-American student college community where, like, thousands and thousands of college students from different schools all around the West Coast go and participate in a lot of these games. And at Cal State State Fullerton – and it's a huge, it's a huge, huge experience, and it's really fun. It, so, me and my pledge bro, we were um, actually going to go up to Fullerton that night, and unfortunately, um, you know, we were actually involved in a car accident, and uh, unfortunately, um, uh, we got kind of pinned, and. Um, he unfortunately uh, passed away and it was kind of like a dark time because uh, I you never you never really see experience like that type of trauma so early in your life Um, you know I was 18 year old kid and I had to just basically hold my friend's hand while he passed away uh, and he he wasn't he didn't really say pass away but he suffered a lot of brain damage and you know that night a lot of a lot of people you know obviously it was supposed to be a night where we we're supposed to have fun but a lot of people we, we end up going to the hospital and just you know spending that first night with um my friend jp and uh you know it, it's it's a story I really don't talk about as much, but you know, for me, it made me really realize how friendships, how strong friendships are and how strong your, your family can, is. So, you know, I started meeting a lot of bros, a lot of K members who all came down from Fullerton who spent the night with us. You know, he were he, we were waiting within the hospital. And, you know, after a series of several days, the parents you know, JB's parents decided to, you know, take him off, um, uh, life support because there was no blood going to his brains. And so, you know, for me, like, um, I had to say goodbye to a close friend of mine and it was, it was, it was a pretty hard experience and I they didn't necessarily have a kind of like a healthy way of coping it with it, I guess. Um. You know, at the time, like, I always felt like as if I was giving life another, another chance. So, you know, a lot of things I did at that time was kind of, like, focused on, you know, living his life, um. not kind of living my own life. And slowly and slowly, you know, I started kind of withdrawing from a lot of things. And it's like the period of 2010 to 2012, 2013. And so I started dropping out of school, started dropping out of classes. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily communicate as well as I should have. And, you know, by the end of it, in the beginning of twenty thirteen, you know, I, I basically got kicked out of school. Um, you know, I got kicked out of school. Um, I was disqualified from joining the Marine Corps um, due to a, a, a hearing disability I have. I was unemployed. I ended up moving back into uh, my family's, my grandma's house in Mesa. And, you know, it was one of those things where uh, I just was lost and kind of didn't know what I was doing with my life. You know, it was one of those experiences where I was just like, I'm just kind of just living. And before, you know, like, I always had this idea that I wanted to do a lot of good things. I wanted to serve, but I kind of threw that down the drain. So, you know, towards the end of 2013, that's when I kind of started just like kind of, I guess, picking up pieces and, you know, this is, this is something that you know, I think a lot to Julius. Um, you know, he, he invited me to be part of his, uh, Leadership program called uh, Eli, I think, and it was like Emerging Leaders Institute, I believe, and that's where he kind of, you know, it's kind of through that he kind of helped me get out of my, you know, like my dark place, and that's where I kind of started like growing and started, you know, like all right, I think there's a lot of other things I, I can do. Um, there's a lot of things I can be involved with. You know, I can't just sit in my dark place all day long, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, through Eli, I was exposed to certain things like like Philanfest. Um, At the time, they were planning for the fall 2013 PhalanFest. And, I mean, I already met people like Dennis Michael or, or I believe Furch beforehand. But, you know, from there, I was kind of like... Hey, you know, philam fest might be a new opportunity to kind of start something new, to start something fresh um, and at the time too, I also kind of like made a promise to uh j p um, my friend who died to you know to serve and to do something to devote myself to something bigger than just myself so kind of Fest was kind of like an opportunity to do that and I know it was something kind of it seems kind of small nowadays but just being part of a a festival planning process was like a first step for me to like start getting involved again and start kind of doing something and so like Fest was like a saving grace and it was great because you know I, I got introduced to so many amazing people in the community. You know, like I already mentioned earlier, people like Dennis Michael. Uh, I got to meet um, Dr. Aurora Cadal, who's like kind of like a mentor to my to me. People like Furch. Um, I got to meet people like Virgil or Chris Ferraro, and you know I, I started building a strong foundation with friends like like. Roman Sabatchi or Alicia Hricofrente, who I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about later on, but you know, it was like one of those things where I started to slowly get out of my shell again. You know, I felt like I retreated too much, and now philanthropy was way to to do something about that, to to serve a community bigger than myself. Um, so, in kind of that's kind of where Nafa kind of starts coming into play, I guess. So in 2014, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, I sat myself down. And I said, you know, I'm going to be open to learning. I'm going to be open to growing. I'm going to take chances, and I'm going to take chances to learn and to really kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so, um, you know, it was, it was a very liberating period in my life. Um, I started enrolling in classes at San Diego Community College. Um, through one of my fraternity brothers, I managed to intern at a local city council member and I became more involved in like in a local mayor race. And, you know, I, I just, I just started saying yes. You know, I just started saying yes to a lot of different opportunities that took me out of my comfort zone. You know, I started exploring things I wanted to be passionate about and you know, it's one of those things where when you're at your lowest point, there's nothing else but to go up. So, you know, 2014 was kind of like a new beginning for myself and, uh, yeah that's where that's actually where NAFA 2014 empowerment conference comes in
0: man that that is wild dude I mean it sucks that you had to go through that and everything and I'm it like hearing that story like after like how many times it's it's still I wouldn't say hard to hear but it's definitely like I I do not know what I would have done if I was in your position and I kinda only imagine how tough those years must have been and just trying to figure out like okay how how is life going to work now but dude you've you've been able to like make it out you found community you've been able to make it out on top and like dude look look where you are now man like i i think eli was probably where the one of the first places we actually met because i was in that first uh cohort for eli and then oh you were yeah and then like as time passed and everything like i i continue to i i think yeah that was like one of the first times i did see you but like (laughs) <laughs> I was kind of going back and forth between sessions and everything. But mm. I, I think after a while and just like, th- because that was also the time when I was trying to get like my feet wet in the community, and everything. So I still yeah. didn't know too, too much as well. But I think like with those experiences, like whether they be like intersected or parallel, like we were still, we were trying to figure, we, we were trying to figure things out and just like, okay, how does the community work and everything? But dude, you've had a lot of um like stake in the stuff that Film Fest has done. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that's like gone on with the city and like, yo dude, you, you've made it like pretty far since like your, your time, like in, in San Marcos, dude. So I got to give it up to that.
1: (laughs) Thanks man. I appreciate it. I really do.
0: But since you mentioned it already, like you, that was probably like one of the biggest events that's happened in San Diego. And I I think out of, uh, since I've been active in the community, there have been three major conferences, including the one, like we we've helped put together. But mm-hmm. NAFa 2014, the NAFa Empowerment Conference in 2014 was probably one of the biggest events that I've ever seen, and it was. It was, and I, I, I can confidently say this: it was one of the events that kickstarted so many different things. So, mm. how how did you get involved with this in, uh, this conference in the first place?
1: Oh, ah, that's another fun story. So, um, <laughs> as I mentioned before, um, you know, Julie, as you mentioned before, Julius is a, has a great way of just introducing a lot of people to different things. So I think around that time in 2013, when we we're doing the Philanfest, um, planning process, you know, Julius went to one of the meetings and, you know, afterwards he was like, yo, dude, uh, I want you to come meet this person. I was like, okay, you know, whatever, and, you know, after the meeting, he introduces me to someone by the name of Lizelle Ramos. And Lizelle, um, I, I don't remember what she was doing at the time, but this was, I believe, before her grad program. But she was tasked with being a part of the NAFA 2014 um, planning process. She was actually the, the, the co-lead, I believe, the co-director. Um, so, excuse me, along with Dr. Aurora Cordal, her and Liesel and Dr. Kadal were tasked with setting up this huge conference in San Diego, um, the NAFA empowerment conference. And it was kind of cool because it was like a nationwide team that they managed to recruit that, that, that Liesel managed to recruit and just to kind of form this, this, the basis of this conference. And, you know, like obviously they needed a local team as well, so that's where we i, I kind of was drafted to be involved with, and it was—it was cool too as well because at the time that's when I started really building a, a good strong foundation with with people like, um, as I mentioned earlier, Roman Sabachi and Alicia Rickett, and so we kind of became like this this trio of of friends who just started doing all these different things, and so. They recruited. Uh, let's see. Oh, they recruited. They recruited. Uh, so the team, the local team itself, was composed of Lizelle, Doctor Cadal, uh, Kuya Moore, uh, myself, Roman, Alicia, Chris Arcidio, and Jessica Mercado. And I, th- I think that's the main core. Yeah, I think that's the main core group. I was, they straight
0: up uh, recruited the Avengers for NAPA. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was, it was, it was that
1: team that kind of formed the, the, the uh, kind of the, uh, the, the, the local team. And so from there, from like, I think it was like January, March. That's when January, February, that's when uh 24, that's when we really started, you know, picking up on planning, organizing the conference. And, you know, everyone had their own different roles they brought in. Everyone had their own different uh, skill sets. For me at the time, I was still kind of like kind of testing the waters and trying to really figure – I was still kind of figuring out what I was good at, I guess. But since I did – I was the – I did a, some, a lot of volunteer recruitment. I was part of I – beca- I essentially became the volunteer coordinator for that event. Um, and and to not to take all the credit, but like uh, Kirkland um, – Kirkland from New York, who was actually a former president of Unipro. She was actually the, the like the lead volunteer coordinator, but I was the kind of like the, the the, the ground person. You know, I was the one who had to do the trainings, I had to do, um, the local recruitment and everything. So, yeah, we um, we started really sh- shaping up in that springtime, and in addition to volunteer coordinator, um, Dr. Goodall also kind of drafted me to be part of the community outreach team so it was at that time where dr Cardall kind of became like a sort of like pseudo mentor to me and you know she started introducing me to a lot of different community leaders you know we would attend certain several community events and be like hey you know we're doing this NAFA conference how can you be involved how can we all be involved and so it was just a period of just you know it essentially became a part-time job you know just doing all this planning for a conference and um it was kind of cool too because at that time I remember we um, also started something called uh, the Rise and Grind series. And I don't remember exactly how that came about, but I remember we were at Um And for those who don't know COPAU, COPAU is the Council of Philippine American Organizations. And it was like in this small little building in Nashville City. And so, you know, we would, we I remember we were. At the COPA office, and we were talking about, you know, what can we make it different? Like, how can we make this conference different? And I, I, I don't remember who started it, but the idea of having these mini com- these mini workshops to build up to the conference itself was, was you know, was a new, unique idea. And so, end of that, each one of us started, um, each person, each each member of the local team, have their own different rising crime workshop to kind of help spring up this NAFA conference and, uh, forgive me if I forget, but like there was, each one of us had a different topic and I believe I had something to do with the political arena. Um, it was something like getting like knowing about civic engagement or getting involved with like local politics, something like that. And I believe like Romans was with Donald Lob. um, I think that was her. And I think Jessica's was, or someone else was networking. Um, anyway, but yeah, each one of us had like our own different little workshop that we had to plan and organize. So, you know, it was kind of a cool, it was kind of a cool time period. Cause like I was learning how to like, you know, event plan. I was learning how to um, manage co- volunteers, how to recruit. Uh, I started learning how to community outreach, how to have a pitch, you know, how to, how to start recruiting other sponsors and how to recruit other organizations to participate in that so it was it was definitely like a time period of like learning and growth and you know building upon skill sets that that you know like just building upon a lot of skill sets so um i think one of the other most interesting things that came out of the epic or the, i'm sorry the nafa conference was epic um and I, f- I feel bad for not remembering all this stuff, but Epic was empowering youth through, oh gosh, you empowering youth through. Oh, well, Epic.
0: let me, let me answer this because we were, we were in that cohort together. So it was empowering Filipino youth through collaboration. Yes.
1: That's what it was. Uh, my bad. <laughs> and it was, I think it was Lizel's and some, I forgot who else, but it was some other people's, you know brainchild to really kind of develop this youth engagement aspect to the to the larger NAFA conference uh to how to get them more involved in the Filipino community itself and you know one of the coolest and for me this I still to this day I think that's one of the coolest things that we ended up doing was having our own mini epic um what was it epic do you remember what I'm talking about? It was at the Filipino Food Bakery and we, it, Oh
0: man, I think yeah. it was just so it was like a regular round table or something. I don't yeah, remember the name of the actual event, but it was something within that um those uh those bounds.
1: Yeah, and it, it was cool because um uh, what what it basically was was like um like a round table of all these Filipino Mar- um it was basically FCC actually. So we organized this event where we invited AB Samahan UCSD KP KA San Marcos and Fuso UCSD and I think I think I think Southwestern was there too.
0: Uh, well by by Southwestern it was me and like one other person, but um, yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't remember but it I it was fun. I remember it was pretty fun and uh you know like it was kinda cool because it was kind of like a way to introduce local FCC to um to Natha in itself, to kind of get this framework of how do we get college students to be more involved with the larger comedian itself, and I'm not gonna lie, that 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 key thing kind of led to that kind of helped a lot of the building blocks towards Unipro San Diego. But I'll, I'll talk about that later. But anyway, for the conference, the epic portion was 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 great because, like, I mean, it was a chance to really get a lot more younger people involved. Um, like including myself and so kind of like counting up to the days of the, the NAFA conference, you know, that's obviously when things started getting more stressful and, you know, it was a lot of hard work. And, you know, at the time, I remember that weekend itself was, whew, that was a blur. Um, because we had so many events that we were organizing and planning and, you know, obviously we had the epic town hall, I believe in that Thursday or something where we invite a lot of youth it was like a, when it was, it was like an intergenerational it was intergenerational town hall and we all talked with each other and you know we were just communicating about different issues that were affecting each other and
0: eh, it was okay
1: I guess <laughs> I, I don't think it was ex- it, it didn't achieve exact goals, but it was a great way to open up dialogue
0: mm-hmm. I, I remember. Okay, so I had this conversation with Sarah Day just a couple of days ago from this recording, and honestly, that that was probably the biggest thing that came out of it because I don't think a lot of us had um, the kind of space where we could do that kind of stuff. So I'm happy that y'all organized that specific like that yeah. that specific moment where we we were able to do that.
1: Yeah, and, and, and to clarify, you know, like I, I like we we were we were part of the, like the the marketing process, but I, that's that's all credit to like people like Lizelle and you know the national team because they're the ones who organized it and it was their baby and so you know like props to them <laughs> it was it was definitely cool um but yeah as as the conference came that's actually when the rest of the national team started coming in and you know i got to meet a lot of people um part, who were part of the na- nationwide team um for the first time because you know the entire time we were coming via, via group me via email via like, I think Skype or something at the time. And it's kind of funny, because a lot of those members are, were, you know, actually, you know, Unipro New York. Um, And at the time, obviously, I didn't know who these people really were. But like, you know, it was really cool, because, you know, Unipro, a lot of these people were like my age, maybe a little bit older, but you know, they were all pretty young starting their careers, but they were all pretty organized. You know, they were organizers in itself and they, they had a passion and a devotion to the community. And I was like, wow, these are cool people. <laughs> these are pretty cool people. And I, I remember through the conference, you know, we started to get to really know each other and got to, you know, build a good friendship and just get into just to talk with each other and get to hang out. And, um, kind of like through the conference, um, Um, gosh, you know, as, as the volunteer coordinator or manager, whatever, I remember, you know, obviously having to do all the trainings and recruiting PIO. I remember recruiting through PIO, uh, a lot of people from PIO and, you know, just being like, kind of like placing where each volunteer would be and then just telling them where to go and all that stuff. So the day of the the conferences were pretty stressful for myself because I kind of became like a sort of like, like a, like an operations type guy where I was like, all right, we need more, we need a volunteer here or we need, you know, this is happening here. Okay. We need this, this, this. So it, it was a very hectic time but it was a lot of fun because I really got to build a lot of good relationship with not just a lot of people from Unipro, but a lot of people from NAFA, from around the, the country. Uh, I got to build a lot of good close relationship with, with a lot of the volunteers too. And I don't remember, Alfredo, my apologies, but you were were you one of the volunteers too?
0: So I, I was there, but I was also kind of like going back back and forth and everything. Okay. But it, it's a little wild because like with everyone that was there and everything that was going on, it was it, it's very hard to keep up. And some of the stuff that went on during that uh, weekend or even that first day in general is still kind of uh, blurring together. So I, I could feel where, where you're at with that. But dude, honestly again, like I emphasize this a lot and I'll probably keep emphasizing it like within this episode and everything, but that event was probably like one of the biggest things to happen nationwide. And I I said it before, like it was the biggest, one of the biggest events to happen in San Diego, but I feel like in in terms of like nationwide in general, this was probably one of the biggest events that served as a catalyst for a lot of different things. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely. And it was a lot of fun too. Don't get me wrong. Like you know, the organizing team, you know, we were all stressed out. Um, and it was kind of funny, too, because uh, I remember, you know, at the, around that same time, I was also working at a local – I was working for a, a local congressional race. Uh, and I remember one of the opposing candidates was also there. And I remember someone was trying to introduce me to that person without my – knowledge, without them knowing that I was working for the other person. <laughs> so I was kind of like – Okay, let me let me let me just like walk. Let, let me just like pretend I'm not here, or like, let me just like like kind of avoid that person. It, it was kind of a funny like it was, it was like a little side, you know, small little side thing. But it was just kind of funny, just me walking around, like just like oh shucks, he's right there. Okay, I'm gonna walk around this corner, or or running towards like because I remember Alicia, Alicia and Roman were they were organizing the um the, the gala and so i was like okay hide me guys (laughs) so like they hid me in like the closet it was it was was one of those funny stupid stories but
0: i've never heard this part of the conference before that's pretty hilarious yeah
1: i mean it it was no big deal it was just funny because and to be honest i I wasn't like a high-ranking person i was just a small time person but at the time i was like dude this is a big deal man he's gonna he's gonna know who i am and he's gonna like you know, get mad at me, or I'm going to ruin the event. And you know, you're over, when you overthink things, you're like, "Oh crap, this is going to happen." So I was just like, half the time, you know, like people are like, "Hey, Anthony, where are you? Aren't you supposed to be doing this?" I'm like, "I'm, I'm, I'm hiding." <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, it was it was a pretty fun event, and um, you know, overall, it was a great great time to really just you know, you know lay that foundation as you were talking about earlier. And one of the funniest things too was. I remember at the after the gala that night, um, you know, obviously, a lot of the older members of NAFA, you know, they all returned to their, their hotel rooms or their homes and all that stuff. But, yo, I'm not going to lie, when the conference was done, <laughs> all the team members, you know, because we're all like, you know, you were in our 20s and 30s you know, we went, we got pretty lit. We all went yeah. downtown. We all went like bar hopping and, you know, cause it was a way to just de- de-stress of what happened and everything. So I just remember all of us were like, yo, let's go to this bar. All right, I'll buy you a shot. I'll buy you a shot. All right, what's good, what's good. And then I just, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun experience. You know, it was a great way to celebrate, you know, all of our hard work for the past several months. And, you know, to for me to this day, like Lizelle is someone who is the most like, badass organizer mentor that anyone can ever have and so you know she she went through a lot of stress you know her and dr kadal and a lot of other people because obviously when you're dealing with like intergenerational or other communities or other you know these these small minor politics and she went through a lot and so like like for me like if she like if she asked for anything else or any uh, like if she was like leading me to do other things, I would totally like follow her to the gates of hell, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, it, it was one of those things where it's like, these are, these are good people around the country that I can totally like have that strong foundation and to do good stuff. So I guess that's kind of like my experience with the, the for 2014 conference.
0: Oh man, but dude, I honestly, I totally agree with that, and I know Lizelle hates it when people <laughs> try to gas her up and everything. But she did so much for that conference, and she was a big catalyst for a lot of things that happened afterwards, dude. I mean, th- those connections with uh, Unipro that happened with that weekend, how she was basically able to like bring everyone together for. this big event again she she, i know she hates talking about like a lot of like the good things she was able to do with that but she contributed quite a bit and i'm trying to get her on and talk about that a little bit more like later on uh later on in the year and everything but man going back to that conference in general like like i'm again i'm emphasizing that was probably like one of the biggest things dude i mean for Mm -hmm. what the national planning team or like the people that were like uh, coming from national and everything, yo, dude, you had people like, um, Noelle Gulbats, okay. uh, Stephanie Crispin, Iris Saloon, yeah. yep. uh, Rochelle Campbell, like all those people that es- essentially didn't, didn't just bring like their, their and like their professionalism from NAFA and everything, but they, they brought a lot of like unipro values that came mm-hmm. and eventually set the foundation for, I'm, I'm guessing what was the foundation for a lot of things that we want to do as San Diego at that time. And I mean, honestly, it feels like that entire uh, period of like 2014 where like y'all were planning it out and doing those rise and grinds and the stuff that, and the conversations that you had with Unipro, it's like, Oh man, this, this feels like something that San Diego should have. Like there should be a chapter or something like that. I think you mentioned it before in like an off recording conversation, but th- this is essentially like the point where the idea of Unipro San Diego started to form and everything. Right
1: it was it definitely was and it's kind of funny because at the time i i i had no idea what unipro really was you know i just thought they were a bunch of cool people (laughs) like what's good you know we're all just young professionals and all that stuff like i I knew unipro through in them individually like for me i worked directly with kirkland the most because she was the volunteer lead and everything or like the something like that and i worked directly with her but I had no idea she was actually part of Unipro, um, and it's funny because when you talk to other other people like like Alicia, for example, she she I believe she drove Rochelle, who was the president of Unipro at the time, and that's how she got introduced to Unipro. But for me, I was like, "Yo, these are just a bunch of dope people." Um, but you know, it's it, when you're talking about the foundation of Unipro, Unipro San Diego, um, you know, I, I have to give a lot of credit again to to Julius because it was actually through Julius who kind of connected together. Like for, 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 him, Julius is really good. Like I have to give him pause for this, but he's really good at connecting and kind of like starting things and being like the advisor. And so from our, if I remember correctly, you know, from our initial conversations, Julius was like, yeah, I could definitely see this, like this new space for like, you know, like there's a huge gap between those who are organized, like in college, you know, like the FCCs, the AB Samhans, the KAs, SE Pas, and so forth. And there's a huge, there's a huge gap between them and a lot more the older professionals of Nafa, you know, like those who are like in their 40s or 50s or 60s, who are kind of more established in their careers. But you know, Unipro you know, was kind of, at least how it was kind of like. um Pitched to me, it was kind of like that idea of, you know, where do a lot of us young professionals like how do we get involved? You know, we're looking for that that space to be involved, and you know, I want to clarify, it's not just meant for like twenties and thirties; it's for people like of all ages. Um, but for me, that's how it kind of was pitched to me, and um, I remember Julius. You know, he we had a co- we had coffee one time at. I don't remember which coffee shop, but it, it, we just had a discussion. He was like, "Yo, what do you think about starting, you know, Unipro San Diego, like a chapter Unipro and all that stuff?" And I was like, "Yeah, this is a kind of cool idea. You know, it's, it's 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 you know, I like the idea of doing something." And for me specifically, excuse me, specifically, what run to me about Unipro was it was a way to unite the Filipino American community through collaboration and advocacy. And it was around that time period for me where I really started kind of focusing more on what I wanted to do. And there was a lot of issues, like for me, like I was, I'm very passionate about advocating for specific issues or, or advocating for causes that affect all all of us. And at the time, like I was getting more like like getting involved in knowing about the idea of human trafficking and it was one of those issues that i I kind of rang to heart because you know as as a young kid you know when i was bullied i've always i was essentially kind of persecuted and you know I, i i i had a lot of like like sense of like a lot of sense of defeat in myself and you know i just let like like, it was one of those things where it just made me realize that, like, I don't like seeing bullies or persecution of other people. And so the issue of human trafficking kind of rang close to me because, you know, there's people out there who are actually being, you know, enslaved uh, through monetary means. And it's not just, uh, like, sex trafficking, but there's also issues like labor trafficking. And, you know, that's, for me, around that time period, late 2014, is when I was like, you know, this is something that I I can stand behind. You know, I want to, I want to fight against, and, you know, Unipro was a way to to fight against that because it was a way to advocate and unite the Filipino community around not just human trafficking, but all these issues happening all over us, you know, like, you know, there's issues like immigration reform or education, and, and you name it, it's like all interconnected, but Unipro was a platform to be able to advocate for these issues and try to find common ground among our filipino-american population and you know it was it was that's for me it's kind of like the spark of like oh this is cool you know i i like i like this idea of bringing it here in in san diego you know it's a space for us to be those advocates those fighters to do something about that and um yeah and and at that same time you know Julius introduced me to Unipur, like he also was talking to to Rome to other people. And you know, he was talking to Roman, he was talking to Alicia. And it's it's, it's cool because excuse me. Roman, Alicia and I, we were kind of like the three amigos. Like we were a close group of friends who we're involved in all these different things in the Philippine community. You know, we started in PhilanFest and we kind of grew that foundation through Nafa and other ventures. And so it kind of came natural that, you know, you know, since us three were all exposed to Unipro, it kind of came natural, like, Hey, you know, maybe we can actually start this. Um, maybe we can actually start this Unipro chapter, Unipro San Diego. And, it's it's it, again like it, it, a lot like everyone else has their own different like skill sets and things that bring to the table but you know each one of us had like Roman, and alicia and i we all had our different skill sets and we all managed to bring it together to form unipro san diego and i remember it's this is funny because i remember um kind of one of the most in, like initial things too after like that introduction to unipro and after that talk i had with julius um, and Julius wanted me to, we were basically going to meet with, uh, Steven Raga. Um, and this is, again, this is like a couple months after the, uh, the NAFA conference, but Stephen Raga was, um, for those who don't know Stephen, he is one of the founders of Unipro New York. And he was going to be in San Diego because he was working for AARP at the time. And they were having one of their conferences in, um, in San Diego. So it was like a, like a perfect opportunity. So Julius and I, we, you know, we 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 went downtown, we met help with him for like for like a small little dinner, and <laughs> it was it was funny because you know, for me, I, I got to hear the story of how Unipro New York was itself founded. And you know, from how from how he how he sounded it, he he made it seem like it was like a war. Like it, it was kind of funny how he how he described it, but You know, he was, it made it feel like when Unipro was starting in New York, it was always some type of like, some type of like fight or some type of conflict. And, you know, he, he was kind of like one of the war leaders in a sense. And I was like, yo, like, okay, (laughs) okay, sure. And I just kind of like, oh, like, all right, cool. But it also kind of helped like explain like some of the, also the challenges we might face that when, you know, when you're starting a new chapter or a new organization in a, in a pretty heavy community already that has a lot of other organizations um you're obviously going to go through a lot of obstacles and challenges and so him talking to us kind of like oh okay so now we kind of know what to expect when we start getting into pro san diego starting up so you know that was a lot of good advice and um you know it's actually kind of cool because um steven actually i think is running for city council in queens um so definitely props up to him and good luck on his campaign, but yeah, Steven was like, a he offered a lot of good advice and kind of helped something like what to expect. And so kind of like fast forwarding a little bit, um, you know, throughout that fall, that's when we started really kind of ramping up this idea of creating, um, the San Diego chapter of Unipro. And, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, I didn't know who a lot of these members were, but that's when we started having these other meetings with, um, um, the the same people from the NAFA conference, like like Kirkland, Rochelle, Iris, um, Noel. You know, these same people who I got to meet at the NAFA conference were these same people who were, we were with on meeting after meeting, just talking about what to do, what to expect, how to how to create an organization. And, um, you know, I, I never really had any experience of creating something from the start, like starting from scratch. So it was definitely like an eye-opening experience of just like seeing how to plan for this, how to, um, you know, organize this, what type of finances, what type of fiscal sponsor, um, you know, all this stuff. And so um, through that fall, we had a lot of meetings at, you know, the Filipino food bakery. We started having a lot of meetings at Roman's place. And we all kind of had our own different ideas of what, what we wanted to bring and Why start Pro. Like, like Roman, I think, wanted to bring organizations together and have impact and collaboration and facilitate dialogues. Um, I believe Alicia, I was thinking of like a, like a safe splay to explore film heritage and help people find their their voice and find their community. Um, As I mentioned, for me, it was kind of like a way to start building connections, building relationship, as well as kind of a platform to advocate for a lot of key issues and And I think Julius's was like to like a place for young professionals to operate outside of colleges and kind of bridge that gap between college and older generation. So, you know, it kind of came natural that we all kind of like, Hey, you know, let's bring it all to the table. You know, Unipro is kind of a flexible organization. We can can bring all this stuff to the table and do these different things. And, um, you know, I, I thank God that like people like Roman was, was there and, Alicia and Julius, because you know, as I mentioned, everyone had their own skill sets. And for me, I never really like led that type of thing. So it was good that, I think when we were talking, it was good that Roman became the first president because she had a lot of experience with Fuso. So we kind of had those discussions where it was like, okay, so Roman will be the, she'll be the first president. You know, she's she, she has experience, she has the knowledge because she knows how to do this stuff. Uh, Alicia became the vice president because she had the great logistical, the mind, you know, she had the, like a the key organizing skill set. And then I became like the third person, like the director of community relations or something like that. Um, because I had, had more experience and skill sets and like, you know, community outreach, um, you know, vice, like external stuff. And then Julius, um, you know, for, for him, he, I mean, he, from the beginning, he said he just wanted to be advisor. Uh, so. He kind of became like the, like this concierge, you know, like this, this, this advisor, outside advisor who would help us build it together. Um, and yeah, so that, that, that kind of formed the F- straight foundation in San Diego. And, you know, originally we were going to, so we, we were planning our launch in February, 2014, but, We also had a conference. Fuso was having their their high school conference in that December. So, before we launched, we actually had our first Unipro event, and it was actually a workshop called intergenerational workshop, or something like that, of of different leaders within the Filipino community and how we can introduce them to, you know, colleges. and again, this all flowed naturally because we just did this for the NAFA conference. You know, we just had FCC. We just had EPIC. So it came kind of natural that you know, since a lot of us came from a lot of these college organizing experiences, like like I came from San Marcos KA and Roman came from uh, UC, US, USD Fuso, we all had these different like, connections and you know, we had these relationships with like a lot of the college groups. So it came natural that our first event was actually at USD, which is funny, but actually in one of the same rooms where we had USD uh, the 2018 Empowerment Conference. <laughs> we had it at one of the same exact workshop rooms where we had our first workshop. And it was kind of cool because, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we brought a lot of different people there. Um, we brought Dr. Kadal, we brought Furch, we brought... Um, some of them met Yagyaga and we met, we brought Jen Amos and these are all different people who have d- different experiences in the Filipino community. And each one of these people, like we're talking about their experiences and how we can get introduced. And so, you know, it, w- it was a great introduction towards just the college students, the Filipino community and um, pro itself. And uh, that was our first event. And I think I think Ali was there too. I don't remember if she was there, but that was also one where I believe Ali was there too. Um, and yeah, and then that itself kind of leads up into the actual um, launch of Unipro San Diego in February of 2015. And so, you know, we had Noel come out there. Uh, it was basically a town hall and we had Noel come out from new york and we invited a lot of these different organizations local organizations together and you know we talked about how can we bring change to the philippine community how can we bring these issues together and it was definitely fun it was definitely a good event because we talked about all the different issues you know what do you seek from the community you know what can we do together and yeah, that's the foundation of UniPro you know, San Diego.
0: <laughs> Dang, dude. Honestly, okay, so there there's going to be a lot more to talk about, but I feel like this is a good point to take um a little bit of a break so that way we mm-hmm. could like decompress and everything, but I kind of want to mm-hmm. take this into like two episodes. So if, if you're okay with yep. uh, talking a little bit more about it after the break, then we could go into like the next episode to talk more about okay, what happened after this, uh, launch that we had back in 2015, because I remember a lot of good people were there. A lot of people that I still see to this day that were there. I'm actually dude, I'm on the side right here, pulling up our history PowerPoint. And I'm just trying to like, okay, here's the timeline. Here's the (laughs) timeline, but we've, there's a lot to talk about. So I think this is the best time to take a little bit of a break. And then I think we'll come back after, um this and it'll be continued on to the next episode so if you're, if you're cool with that no i'm totally
1: fine like when this is your podcast however you feel the best explain it so um yeah
0: okay so we will take a quick break it's it's not really much of a break for other people but they will be seeing the the rest of uniform history in the next episode so we shall see y'all in a bit in part two